Hey guys, welcome to the Insights by Tepesh podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you love this episode. Hey guys, welcome to episode one of Insights by Depesh. I'm here with Rutu, who is a luxury property developer, and I'm really excited to get talking to you about your experience you, and just your journey on how you have come to where you are right now. And as you can see, the setting we're in is absolutely stunning. And this is one of Rutu's properties that she's developed called the Aria in Hadleywood. So, um, you know, without further ado, let's just get straight into it. Sure, let's do it. So first question is, talk to us a little bit about you. Where are you from? What's your background? And what did you do before you were working in property or have you always worked in property? Okay, so um, I grew up in East Africa, in Tanzania, which is where my family is currently from. And I grew up in a very um, business-oriented environment. My father um, is a self-made man. He left school, probably his early teenagers, and always had an inkling for what he wanted out of life, and that was to be a businessman. And that's what was interesting to him. That was always exciting to him. So I grew up in that environment, and it was something that was always talked about, always discussed, um, and it became a way of life. Awesome. Um, so that was my background. I obviously uh, came to the UK uh, to do my MBA and um, always wanted to go back home and join the family business once again, but ended up finding love here, met my husband. Awesome. So personal journey kind of made the UK, I would say, a permanent setting. Okay, so just to, sorry to interrupt you there, but so you actually studied all the way through to your degree in East Africa? No, I didn't. So I left home when I was 16. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I studied in the US and in Australia. Wow. Um, and then kind of finished, graduated undergrad, went back to Tanzania and joined my family business, which I loved. Wow. And what is the family business? So we're quite diversified. Um, my dad started in manufacturing. Okay. And then from then diversified into agriculture, um, financial services, wow. uh, do a bit of property as well. And property is something that I always kind of enjoyed, okay. um, probably without even knowing it. I was po- would be more inclined to understand, I enjoyed finance in general. So I enjoyed cool. working with anything on the financial services. And property, I think as well, has a really big relationship with finance. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> you've got to make it successful and therefore you really have to get it round to the numbers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I did enjoy that. I think without knowing that it could become more than that. Okay. So, obviously, when I, after I got married, I started working at HSBC doing private equity. Fantastic on-paper job in the sense that it was for the Africa team. <laughs> from. Um, felt like home. Felt like, yeah, oh, it should have felt like home. <laughs> and to be honest, it didn't. And it was really funny because I used to, I realized that I wasn't happy. And I don't think I ever vocalized it. I just knew I wasn't happy. And okay. my husband, at the similar time, was like, oh, I've got this book. You've got to read it. You're going to love it. Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. No so way. like it okay. just happens that I'm reading this book on my way, living in this rat race. And for me, it was a bit of awakening call. And I said, you know what? I don't want to live my life. I'm, I cannot see myself being happy. I almost felt shackled and chained. Um, and I just really wanted to do something else. I didn't know what it was. I just thought I was unhappy. But I think when you're in that place and you're looking for an opportunity, you will always find an opportunity. Yeah. And for me, that opportunity was a really run-down pub that was in the area that we lived in. Uh, I used to pass it every day on the way to the station. And it was so derelict, 
but the location was fabulous. It was pretty much, you know, one minute walk to the high street. Wow, okay. So it had a big for sale mm -hmm. sign and everyone knew it was one of those pubs that had never moved. So contacted the owner. They said, yep, we have a pub for sale. We've got planning permission for it to become a hundred seat restaurant, but they had no parking and therefore they couldn't shift the pub and it was stuck. Um, so when I started looking at the opportunity, it worked out really well to turn the pub into apartments. Okay. And all of a sudden I was just not interested in my job anymore. And all of my attention and my mind was constantly on something else. I was very distracted by it. It's like you found something that just kind of inspired you a little bit. Yeah, it did. And I think it inspired me to, that it could become something. Yeah. And so what I did was I obviously explored it while keeping my day job. Um, once I got planning permission, um, it was kind of the perfect time. And I was very lucky, I think. And this is also very important is to have the people around you, the loving network around you that is supportive of what you want to do. I think in life you'll always meet naysayers. Yeah. Um, and sometimes maybe you have to kind of just go out on your own and be the trying the confidence just take the leap. Yeah. Um, but I was lucky that, you know, the people around me were much that's really what you want to do, go for it, we'll support you. I was just about to ask you that question because you know, you're in HSBC, you're working in private equity, it's a very secure job and yes. for most people the even the thought of leaving something like that, leaving something of that level of security yeah. is terrifying. And then yeah. it's not just terrifying on the perspective of, okay, you might not have a consistent income and things like that, but also what others around you would say. Yeah. Family, your closest friends. Exactly. So that, like, how was that for you? How was that experience? It didn't even matter. Uh, really? I think because it wasn't, I wasn't doing the job for money. Yeah. I think when you do something you love, money will follow. Yeah. And I think I've experienced that now. So. It's really important to find what you're passionate about, what you can really enjoy waking up for every day, mm -hmm. and something that follows you around in the sense that even when you're sleeping, it does it consumes you because you love it. Yeah, it's like when you love a person, same kind of thing. Um, so <laughs> it I think consumes then, you. <laughs> yeah, it consumes you, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think when you do something with so much passion, that you're putting your effort in, you're putting in the time, yeah. and those are the, some of the key elements to make anything successful. Of course need to have a lot of time invested into it and yeah. a lot of persistence behind yes all the stuff that you want to make or all the stuff that you want to come to fruition exactly awesome exactly okay cool so you've spoken a little bit about your first project uh the pub and how you wanted to basically take that opportunity on to convert it into flats talk to us about a bit of your journey in property so you know you were everyone around you was lucky enough quite supportive about you leaving work and following this passion this dream mm -hmm. talk to us a bit about your journey with starting from the flats and kind of what's happened next and sure. what opportunities were attracted to you as a result of you taking that step forward yeah. as well so i started my company called it amara property um amara in a hindi word means our I think okay. property is something that's always shared by people. Wow. So it's kind of where the, you know, the, the, the thinking behind it was. And the com I think what was the main reason for moving into the property so we were doing a lot of research, mm -hmm. finding out the area, finding out what's required in the area. Yeah. And I initially started with a, like a downsizer model. So being an aging population, a lot of these suburbs in you know north northwest london have older generation people mm -hmm. who find that their house is too big for them yeah the kids have grown up they've moved out they want something smaller but they don't want your typical first-time buyer apartment yeah because that's not doesn't fit their their needs yeah so they want something that's bigger they want potentially a closed kitchen so they want a different criteria they want to be able to entertain if they want to be able to have something they can lock up and go yeah so that was a niche that i started in with 
And then we looked at different areas like the family market, which we do a lot of now. But when I mean family, we go for the modern family living. We say okay. today's family wants to live a modern lifestyle. They want a modern property that supports the lifestyle that they live. Yeah, of course. So we don't want, ideally is moving away from the traditional style of English building mm -hmm. with a lot more rooms in a house than you need. We're having less rooms, more space. Gotcha. Um, and I think it just makes sense because that's the way we would want to live. And so it's almost like, putting in the things that you enjoy yeah. um, and the people around you enjoy and taking that as a, as a basis of the design idea. I guess kind of like combining what, what you enjoy at home and how you bring family together at home is what mm. you're providing to the people that might be buying your houses, flats, exactly. apartments. So it's not really just a house. At the end of the day, we're, we're providing people with, with a place to make a home. Mm -hmm. And a home is where you fill it with the people that you love, where you fill it with the memories. So the house is just the initial part of it. And I think the first time I realized the satisfaction of it was when I'd finished my first apartment and the couple was an elderly couple and they were so sweet. And um, you know, she just called me and said, look, why don't you just come around for a coffee? You know, it'd be nice to catch up. In six months or so they'd lived in. Yeah. And I went to their house and went for a coffee and they'd made this apartment into this amazing home. It was exactly what they wanted mm -hmm. at that time in their life. And I think the satisfaction that I felt sitting there just having this small cup of coffee yeah. was kind of what gave me a purpose to continue doing what, what I started doing. And the business kind of grew from there as we got more contacts, contacts led to more projects. Yeah. And obviously as you do more, people kind of get to know your name and we very much niched ourselves in these you know, few areas that we do. Yeah. So we don't do volume build, it's quality building, um, trying to find properties that will test, you know, stand the test of time. Yeah and therefore we tend to do less. So we do a lower volume, higher quality kind of model. Awesome, and I guess that anyone that buys an Amara property is buying not just a house, but something that's had a lot of love t taken into mm. account in the process of making it and something that's gonna provide that kind of caring environment to grow up in, that family environment, that vibe where people feel welcome all the exactly. time. So my next question is, what inspires you to continue going on with the property projects that you're working on? And what excites you about the area that you've niched yourself in, which is luxury property? Well, I think it's really just our purpose. So we have yeah. a purpose that we want to you know, deliver, and that's to be a positive contributor to the society that we live in. Okay. So not only providing you know, beautiful property, beautiful homes for people, but also providing uh, sustainable homes and that's something that's I personally believe a lot and in the day-to-day -day, we all have to take our little steps to be more sustainable more mm -hmm. aware of our carbon footprint um, so we always try and use sustainable initiatives of some kind in every single project that we do so the purpose I think of you know being a contributor to society versus then a taker as well yeah. and you know at the same time now the team has grown so we have almost like a family an Amara family nice. um, and we all work together on every project. So I think it's a purpose really that keeps us going. Um, I, for on a personal note, um, I think the freedom of it, the freedom of yeah. running your own business, for me, that, I mean, that's priceless. I have children, I have a family, I wanna be with them. And I don't, I always, you know, see other parents who have full-time jobs, they tend to struggle. Yeah. Because it's so difficult in today's day to try and live these two lives. Yeah. And I think the freedom of running my own business gives me the most chance of doing that.
Definitely. No, I completely agree. Um, one of the things that you just said was about sustainability and you know, not being as much of a taker, but also giving back to the community and the environments that you are building in. Could you give us an example, and for the people listening as well, could you give an example of how you're using um, sustainability within your projects? Yes, of course. I mean, we've just finished some beautiful, two beautiful five-bedroom homes in Hadleywood called Kingwood. And what we did there was we had solar panels on the roofs. And this normally what happens is when homes put solar panels on, they collect solar energy during the day mm-hmm. and they sell that to the grid. Okay. To, you know, peanuts for yep. peanuts, pennies, you know, for pennies. And they come home at night, put on their light switch, and they're buying full price electricity back from the grid. The saving, therefore, is whatever little difference that you have made. Gotcha. So it's not really sustainable. Yes, you are contributing a bit to the grid, but mm-hmm. you're not living in a sustainable way. Yep. You're still consuming when you get home. So what we did was we partnered up with, with Tesla, and Tesla now make home batteries, which yeah. are absolutely fantastic. It's called the Powerwall. And yeah. The science behind it is so simple. It just collects the solar energy that you have collected in the day. It stores it mm-hmm. instead of selling to the grid as you yeah. normally would. Stores the battery. The battery stores the power. And when you come home and whenever you use the energy, you use the energy that you have collected that day. Wow. So the only time that you probably have less energy, say it's maybe in the winter or if it's very cloudy, you may have a little bit less and therefore you would therefore get a little bit from the grid. Wow, that's amazing. So for example, at, at um, Fairgreen, um, Fairgreen is a Kingwood, um, we pretty much ran the show house for a month and our electricity bill was six pounds. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. So it's, it's the idea being that we've done it during the building. It's a yeah. higher investment from our point of view. It's very expensive yeah. to put in, but it's got a long-term benefit for the life of the house, for the life of the family that lives there. Well, and obviously partnering with Tesla is a huge deal as well. It must be very exciting to be able to promote that as well to definitely. I think we the people the, buying. <laughs> I personally am a big fan of what they're doing. Yeah. So it was nice to incorporate that. That's awesome. No, I love that. That's excellent. Okay. So here's something that I think that everyone listening would be quite interested to hear your take on. Um, a lot of people find property development quite challenging or potentially quite difficult to get into, mm-hmm. and then I guess luxury property development is a whole new ball game in itself. What's your thoughts on people's views on luxury property development being too difficult to get into or something that they feel is not for them because of the barriers that they might experience? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think anything has a high barrier of entry. End of the day, it's not just property. Mm-hmm. Um, it, with anything that you do, you really have to you know, find a niche, find a gap in the market, do your research behind that, almost make a business case for yourself. Yep. And if you can find that niche or that requirement in that market, then you already are on a great start. So finding the foot in the door, I think, is probably the hardest thing. Okay. And once you have, um, whether it's something new or you're riding a wave of something that's going mm-hmm. on, whichever, um, that's probably the, the, the biggest research that someone says find out what they want to do. Once they have that answer, mm-hmm. um, then it's really just time to the time and effort that you put into it. Yeah. Um, I think luxury property, I would say, is probably a bit more difficult, just in the sense that it's a lot more competitive. Yeah. Um, there's fewer buyers at that end of the market mm-hmm. versus, say, the first-time buyer-level market where, where there are more buyers and mm-hmm. therefore um, easier to sell if you make a little mistake here or there, yeah. whereas at the higher end, it's not as forgiving. So in that regard, I would say that luxury property is definitely a dif- more difficult um, ball game just because of the level of detail, the attention to detail that's required. Fair enough. 
So you just spoke about, um, you know, getting your foot in the door is probably the hardest part of the journey because once you've managed to take that first step, I guess things will fall into place bit by bit and you'll start gaining momentum as Mm -hmm. you start getting more experience. Do you have any advice to people for how they could get their foot in the door for something like luxury property? Yeah, I think, you know, with, 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 with property, again, it's just kind of finding that opportunity. So whether you find um, a house that needs maybe doing up mm-hmm. where the numbers could stack up and you've done your market research and what's selling and how much the builder work mm-hmm. cost, again, that's an opportunity. You know, I say foot in the door is really just an opportunity. Yeah. Now it's what you do with that opportunity. Um, I think a lot of people think that a barrier to entry in property, maybe like a myth, you could say a myth in in property is that you need a lot of money to be in property. Yeah. And that's a big myth, I think. Okay. Because yes, you do need money, but it doesn't have to be your money. True. And <laughs> you can be creative with the way that things are financed. I think a lot of deals are very creative. And end of the day, there's an accountability on you. If you're the one leading it, if you're having a JV partner, you need to deliver. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that pressure, I sometimes feel is a very positive thing. Um, my first project was done um, with the JV. I didn't put any of my money in. Oh, wow. Um, so it's, it's, there are opportunities out there. There's so many techniques to use, you know, option agreements and all sorts mm-hmm. of things. Um, and the first one I think will always be the hardest. Yeah. That's the one that you will make probably most mistakes <laughs> because you're learning. learning. It's a learning yeah. curve. Um, and it's, it's really all about, I think, going through that journey. And when you do fail, mm-hmm. it's, really, it's really just a matter of getting up again. It's a yeah. failure is a very common occurrence. <laughs> it's definitely, definitely an opportunity to learn and yeah. move forward from as well. You just mentioned that you know your first uh, opportunity that you took on, you were fortunate enough to partner with someone who was able to invest and allow you to then get on with the project. Mm-hmm. That's obviously uh, maybe a bit high risk for the person investing, knowing that it was your first one as well. Yep. How was that experience, and you know what made you what made you comfortable in taking that risk as well, and how did the partner feel about it? Yeah, so I think you know. For the opportunity that I'd found was quite good. So the way that I offset it was I took a smaller cut of the deal. Mm-hmm. I was more eager to just start. That's so, so important. It was, it, end of the day, it was not about the, it wasn't the get rich quick scheme on this one deal. 100%, it was a yeah. long term vision, but let's start somewhere. So I was almost learning on someone else's dime yeah. and therefore giving away a lot of my control of profit or anything to do that. Yeah. For me, that was fine. Awesome. So I think you have to then obviously talk to whoever it is you're with on a human level yeah and um, find a way that works for both for both parties 100 percent. i love what you just said as well it's not about the whole get rich quick scheme because there's so much out there at the moment that says you know you can do this and within three months you'll have 20 percent return mm-hmm. on your investment and to be honest a lot of it's not true yeah. and you know these things take time to build they take time and effort and persistence to overcome all the challenges or the problems that you might experience during a property build. And I think, like you said, if you speak on a human level and just put out there right from the start that I'm new, but this is the numbers stack up, which is obviously very Mm -hmm. important. And this is what the investment's for. And you're willing to take a smaller cut because you don't have that experience yet. You don't have that track record. That could be huge for anyone new starting out. Yes. And, you know, taking their first step into something as well. Exactly. So I think, you know, you just have to find that balance with whatever works. And if the purpose really is to start this journey and the journey, beginning of the journey, mm-hmm. um, then that should be the purpose. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. 
So my next question is, what was the biggest challenge for you when you started out? I think just kind of being a nobody. Okay. Maybe it was a challenge and maybe it was an advantage. I don't know. <laughs> People never saw me coming in that regard. But I think I had to learn a lot and it took a lot of time. Okay. So I probably spent a lot of time outside of my day job mm-hmm. or even at my day job. <laughs> um, researching and just talking to people it's amazing how much you can learn by just talking to people in the field yeah so talking to multiple agents just going in and you know kind of or buying some of our coffee or yeah. anything you know just to learn yeah and I think we're so fortunate now that we live in an internet age the yeah. information is at our fingertips and so we need to balance that online information with the information that we're finding on the ground yeah the real-time information almost um, and trying to get a real feel of the market. That's awesome. And I guess what you did there was not only do your own research online and get a level of understanding for yourself, mm. but then go and compare it to perspectives of people doing the job, people exactly. working in the industry day in, day out, because ultimately that's going to be a realistic view of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And the stuff online, you can almost always put your own perception on it. Exactly. Which might give it a bit of a skewed perception that yes. might not be right or might not be taking you where you want to end it's up. It's always good to get different points of view because then it allows you to make the, the decision that you feel, make your own decision about it. Yeah. So like, for example, with the first project, I spoke to about three, four agents, local agents, about pricing, how they measured pricing on, on finished homes, what kind of specification they required. Um, how they kind of saw the market going, what had they sold recently. So, so much information comes from that. And you're kind of able to put it together and almost say, oh, okay, based on what they've said, Mm -hmm. I can make an educated guess that this will work, this spec will work. They're not doing this, have they thought about that? How can we be different? Yeah. So it starts, it starts the seed, it plants the seed in your mind that can grow into something. Definitely. And when you were talking to the agents, did you find that they were quite willing and uh, open and wanting to help or did you find that some were and some weren't? Yeah, they were a mix. That's fine. Move on to the next one. That's it. Someone will help. <laughs> yeah. If someone says no, you just move on, on to the, the next, next person exactly. and then you'll find someone. You can't take it personally. Exactly. Yeah. You'll find someone that eventually exactly. is just happy to have a conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. What do you think are roadblocks that aspiring developers should watch out for from your own experience? What do you think are certain challenges that everyone that wants to get into development should be very wary of? Yeah, I think it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the concept a lot of people always um, say that, you know, property, you know, is the thing that's going to make you money. It's safe. It's all the things that you hear. I think the reality is that it's not an easy challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a long term game and it's not a quick get quick rich scheme like I said yeah. earlier so it does require a lot of work um, and that's a, as long as somebody's aware of that and they know what they're getting into they will obviously get out what they put in yeah definitely okay could you talk to us about some of the failures that you've had in your journey some of the things that you've taken as maybe some of your most positive learning experiences as well yeah I think every experience is positive um, with regards to failure I mean I've had so many can't even tell you but um, <laughs> it's part of it right I think when you're when you're when you're running your own business you're gonna fail and I don't really look at it as failure I never use that word mm-hmm. and I think maybe that's a mental a positive mental state of mind yeah so if something goes wrong it's my challenge of the day gotcha we'll just deal with it 
fair. And I think with that attitude, you just get on with it. You don't sit there and think, about, oh my God, I failed. But you have to reflect. And the important is when something doesn't go your way, you must reflect as to why. Okay. Because there's no point repeating those mistakes again. So the mistake has served its purpose once you've learned from it or improved that system. Yeah. And you grow and become better at what you're doing because those mistakes, is, it's, it's experience. Yeah. It's real time, live experience. It's very personal to you. Um, that kind of makes you the person that you are. So mm -hmm. it's your challenge of the day or the hour, however many <laughs> you're making. But I think just being challenge very of the minute. <laughs> yeah, just being very positive about it. And that's so important. Yeah. Um, and you know, some mistakes are big, some are small, but you can get up from every one of them. Fair enough. Okay. So how do you manage to keep yourself in such a positive state? Like you said, you know, you're a mum, you're a wife, you're running a full household whilst you're running this monster of a business at the same time and there must be days where so many things come on to you and make you feel like oh my god i really can't, do can't deal anymore. with this anymore I'm done yeah exactly <laughs> so obviously that must that's natural that yes. happens to every single one of us but you seem like someone who's able to rise above that quite easily now how do you keep yourself in that positive state all the time um I don't think I wouldn't say I'm positive all the time. Okay. I wish I was. That'd be great. <laughs> um, but I think you know what it is. I rely a lot on the people around me. So my husband, very loving, yeah. very supportive, best friend, talking to mm -hmm. him all the time about things. My 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 parents, my dad is my mentor. Oh, Speaking wow. to him a lot. We're in constant communication. So I think just talking it out is almost therapeutic. Yeah. Um, because. It just is more for me than for them. I mean, yeah. I'm just getting it out. It's <laughs> your opportunity to vent, it right? And I think <laughs> as soon as you spelled it out with words, you can start thinking of a solution. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like a process to go through. But yeah, I think it's a juggling act. Life is. Um, I love being a mom. I love, you know, my, my two kids. And I like that I have the freedom to be with them. Mm -hmm. So they do go to nursery and they start nursery probably quite young yeah um, but then what I started doing was I decided look put them in nursery for slightly longer periods when they're in nursery work like a dog yeah when I pick them up I, I live my second life okay. and I'm with them and um, when I was doing them for less nursery sessions I found that I was just not doing both jobs well mm -hmm. when I was with them I was distracted and when I wasn't with them I was obviously just working like a dog so it wasn't working so I think we found a system yeah. and when I'm with them, I want to focus and be with them. And that just means working odd hours, but you work around it. Kids go to bed. Me and my husband work at night, almost every night. Yep. It's normal for us, um, but it's a great time to catch up. Definitely. And then weekends, we're about each other. So we try not to work on the weekends and we do family time on the weekends, okay. Monday to Friday or Sunday to Thursday, depending on the week. Um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like go time. Okay, that's, that's amazing because it really is about finding that balance between... Yes. It's got to work for you. It's life and Exactly. And you don't want to miss any part of your kids growing up. You don't want to miss no. that time with your husband. So it really is about finding yeah. that balance between... Yeah, there's the always two. times you think more. Mother's guilt is something that's always there and you always feel you can do more. But, you know, it's finding something that works for the family as a mm -hmm. whole and you have to try your best. Yeah. And I think to be satisfied that you have once you've done that. Definitely. And I love what you said about being able to talk it out with your close family, your partner, and it's like you said, it's not for them, it's for you. Yes. And I personally believe that when you talk about these things, it actually frees up that space in your mind. Totally agree. And that's when you can start thinking about potential solutions or new yes. ideas to actually overcome all the things that are making you feel down low and like everything yep. is not working. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah.
So um, one thing that I, would, I think the listeners would love to hear about is how does your business model work? Can you okay. give us a high level overview of what the Amara business is all about, how it functions mm -hmm. and how you make money from it and how potential investors might make money from sure. it as well? So we're probably a full life cycle company in okay. the sense that we not only find the properties into the feasibility, we do the whole planning mm -hmm. as well. We construct ourselves. We now have our own construction company. Wow. So we only build our own homes and therefore we have a great control on program, cost, quality, the important kind of factors. Mm -hmm. um, and then we obviously sell or there's an exit package at the end. Yeah. So we do the full life cycle. I work with lots of investors um, on different kind of structures, a common structure now, which, which I think is, is work because I have a lot more investors, mm -hmm. is we'll do like an interest-based loan or a profit share structure. Um, whereby, you know, the funding will be mixed. We'll have to say a debt finance package. Investor will put in money. And at the end of the day, we, I try and do it by certain principles mm -hmm. that the investors, you know, they must get paid before I can get paid. Okay. End of the day, um, if they're happy, they will tell other people about it. And yeah. over time, our business will grow. So we can swallow or something. You know, it's, it's fine. Sending around a lot of good karma as well. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, but so we obviously with full life cycle of it, yeah. and, and the way that it works is normally by the time the investors get involved, um, we already have the planning permission, so it's, it, the risk is lower in that regard, mm -hmm. um, and they would come in at that point and support us during the, the construction, the build cycle phase, and then obviously at the end of the exit, they would get their their, their returns back. Awesome. And just for anyone listening who might be interested in potentially investing with you or wanting to find out more, mm -hmm. uh, what would they need to do? What would, how would they go about doing something like that? Simple, just get in touch. Yeah, what's the website? So it's www.amaraproperty.co.uk or you can just email info at amaraproperty.co.uk. Perfect, and on the video you should be able to see that somewhere on the screen right now. And um, final question. Yep. If you could give three pieces of advice to your younger self or anyone else maybe starting out sure. in luxury property development or just normal property development, mm -hmm. what would you say? Oh, okay, I would say don't rush. Take your time. Take deep breaths. It's a, it is a big jump. Be aware of that. And therefore, my counter to that is do your research. <laughs> and that offsets the risk element of just blindly jumping. So. I think when I got excited, maybe I, now when I look back, I probably should have done more. I, okay. I could have done more. Mm -hmm. um, so we learn, we do that in the next one. Yeah. But um, I just think, just be aware of that. And I think you have to also reflect, that's very important. So as you beat good things, bad things, whatever, you have to reflect on them and kind of build it into your character so you can grow as a person, or grow within your business and to make practice of doing that. Definitely, I think reflecting on everything that went bad and finding out why yeah. and making sure that, or doing everything possible to not repeat the same mistakes. Yes. And then at the same time, reflecting on the things that went really well. Yes. And also figuring out why and repeating those repeating same steps. Those, exactly, and therefore the formula gets better. Exactly. Awesome. Okay, that's everything. I well, hope thank you, you guys, very much. It was fantastic. Yeah, I really hope you enjoyed it. And I did. I hope that everyone listening has found some huge value from this. And um, I look forward to seeing what you create next. I'm sure if you guys keep on top of the Amara, Amara Property website. Definitely. You guys or follow us on Instagram. Yep. We're quite active on there. Yeah, we'll put up the Instagram link on the video somewhere as well. And um, yeah, you can keep in touch with what's going on and what's being built. 
Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. Please share it with everyone you know and let them know how awesome you thought it was. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next episode. Thanks. Have a great day.